Welcome to the Seek First podcast with Steve and Jordan. This is a podcast about seeking first the kingdom of God where we work, live, and play. The content of each podcast will correspond to the current sermon series at Ontario Christian Church, current events that rise up, and also to the church calendar. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to episode four of the Seek First podcast with Stephen Jordan. And uh, this is this week we're going to be talking about loving your enemy, loving our enemies. Uh, it'll be kind of the tail end of the, the message this last Sunday uh, dealt with the fact that Jesus gave us an example of loving our enemies and that he washed uh, Peter's feet, whom would deny him, um, and then even Judas's feet, who would betray him. Uh, so it's a, a large sign of what love does in spite of the potential rejection, and in Jesus's case, fully knowing uh, of the rejection that was about to occur, he still pursued the people uh, in servanthood and in love. And so I pray that the message was encouraging to you uh, to be able to love those who you just frankly know are going to hurt you in some way, shape, or form uh, in order to uh, kind of reveal the fact that they were also creating the image of God and that God still loves them and is desirous of pursuing them even though they re- are rejecting him at that point. So that's kind of where we uh, left off in the message this week. And uh, so we're going to continue down that theme uh, in this short podcast of what does it mean to love your enemy and uh, how does that play out as Christians, as followers of Jesus? So Jordan, as we were uh, discussing this, uh, what are some topics uh, or specifically scriptures or thoughts that you have in regards to uh, what it means to love your enemy? Yeah, I had a few uh, that came to mind and kind of glanced over and studied before we um, recorded this. But the first one was the parable of the Good Samaritan. This is a parable that uh, a lot of us may be familiar with. Uh, some of you missing, some of you listening may not be familiar with it, and that's okay. Uh, it's a parable that Jesus told um, that we are going to take a look at here, as well as Jesus healing a blind beggar named Bartimaeus say that fast yeah, right. Um, blind beggar named Bartimaeus and and the crowd will get there but the crowd is trying to silence Bartimaeus's cries uh, to Jesus to heal him and Jesus seeks out Bartimaeus one he's a beggar and two the crowd the culture is trying to silence him and, and Jesus goes to him and heals him and he he finds the one that the crowd is trying to silence and just, just loving those who are enemies, loving those we may not uh, prefer to love <laughs> the loving those who may not be easy to love, uh, but also just the idea of the ethics and the culture of the kingdom of God is upside down really to what we experience in the world. Yeah. And that narrative specifically, like you said, they were um, literally rebuking him. The scriptures say they were rebuking his desire to reach out to Jesus and call out to Jesus. And so, uh, we have that tendency with those that we feel like we have uh, something above them to hold against them or whatever it is that we want to be closer to God and uh, his favor. And so we kind of shove others away sometimes, especially those that we don't maybe feel are worthy, um, mm. which is really even sad to say out loud to some extent because we're all unworthy, right? And, right. Yet, and yet God calls us. And I, I like what he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on on me. I mean, it's he's literally saying is he's fully aware of his brokenness, mm-hmm. 
Uh, the irony is, is that the crowd is not aware of their brokenness in this moment, uh, but he's fully aware of his, his brokenness. He's saying, have mercy on me. And so he's crying out to the Lord. They rebuke him. Um, and he also identifies son of David. So he knows who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus stops, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's one of the things that's interesting is that uh, Jesus could have very easily, like, I don't know if I'd have stopped, you know, right. Jesus stops. So he literally uh, hears the cry of blind Bartimaeus at this point, um, the beggar blind Bartimaeus right. at this point, and he, and he stops. Um, so, like, as you continue to look through that narrative, there's several things that, that I see right away. But is there anything else that you wanted to point out when it comes to that specific narrative? Yeah, with that narrative, I think a good question to ask ourselves is, what's our posture towards a beggar when we see them? You know, I remember growing up, or not growing up, sorry, when I went to school in Chicago, uh, there were um, people that you would encounter on the streets uh, that were, were beggars. They were asking for money or, or whatever it may be. And I remember so many times uh, throughout those four years there, just having to check my heart, you know, whether I was whatever I thought, just, just asking ourselves that question, what is my posture towards a beggar when I see them? And just the irony, um, of the, the kingdom ethics and how the kingdom works and Jesus flipping that on its head, that Jesus engages with this beggar, even though the crowds are trying to silence him. Um, and I think it just speaks to the volume of God's love for broken people. Yeah, I agree with you. And actually, as you see that Jesus also, uh, engages him, and says, what is it that you want me to do for you? And so Jesus uh, actually meets the guy where he's at and then engages him in a way that says, hey, I, I desire uh, to understand what's going on in your life. Not only does he desire to heal him, but he actually puts the ball in his court and asks him to kind of explain himself. So he dialogues with this man as well, uh, whereas many of the people around him probably didn't have a whole lot of dialogue necessarily. I don't know. We don't know the full narrative there, but... You know, they rebuked him in another narrative and whatnot. So in in this case, Jesus does the opposite. He's like, hey, I want to talk to you about this. What's going on? You know, and I think that uh, part of this process is um, starting that narrative, that conversation as well, instead of avoiding it, which I think we have a tendency to do. We'd rather avoid that conversation uh, of brokenness and trying to draw out of people what's going on in that moment as well. Yeah, speaking of narratives, um, in this one, you know, we opened talking about enemy love and, and the last narrative we shared was uh, kind of more of a kingdom ethic, but really it's God calls us to love the people we least expect. Love your enemies, love the broken, mm-hmm. you know, all the all the beatitude statements when Jesus says in the beginning of Matthew 5, blessed are the, you fill in the blank, they're all the people we last expect to be blessed. And mm-hmm. God calls us to love the people we last expect uh, to give our love to. And so, again, speaking of narratives, um, the parable of the Good Samaritan, I think, fits perfectly right into this conversation. Um, and let me just read it, starting in uh, Luke ten twenty five. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him, being Jesus, to the test. And he said this to Jesus, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, the lawyer who again stood up to ask Jesus, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with a story, which I find so fascinating. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. 
Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, that's really important, hold on to that, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. So you have this, again, narrative. Jesus is asked, uh, Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And he responds with what would have been received as a highly controversial parable. The reason being is because, one, there's two people that pass by and leave the man who's been beaten. And then comes a Samaritan. And and culturally speaking, this would have been, I mean, this would have been really not a great thing for them to hear. They would have been angry at Jesus. This would have, I mean, the guy doesn't even say, Jesus asks him at the end of the story, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor? And when the guy answers, he can't even say the Samaritan. He just says the man who showed him mercy. And so culturally, this is um, offensive. Um, but, but also, I think we have to ask ourselves the question, as each person went by before the Samaritan came, it says um, a priest was going by and then a Levite. And it said that they both passed by on the other side. And I find that phrase to be interesting that it's repeated. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, who is it in our lives? Uh, What kind of person, um, what type of person would we be tempted to pass by on the other side when they are in need? And whatever that answer is for us, that is who we are called to love. Mm -hmm. That is the kingdom ethics. God flipping what we perceive to be love on its head and calling us to love everyone, to love our neighbor, but to basically make everyone our neighbor because everyone is our neighbor in the kingdom of God. Um, I remember this this saying that goes like this, uh, the love of God in his people changes strangers into neighbors and neighbors into family. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this flow of like, I don't, I don't know a stranger. I mean, I do, but I treat them like they're my neighbor. And in treating them like they're my neighbor, I treat them like they're my family. So yeah, Steve, did you have any thoughts kind of as we read through just there, the parable of Samaritan and how it relates to this conversation? Yeah, I didn't actually plan on sharing this, but as you're reading it, it reminded me of a scenario uh, of an urban ministry that I was a part of many mm. years ago. And uh, we would host um, clinics at this um, urban church. And in the clinics, we'd have doctors and dentists and uh, optometrists and nurses uh, doing different things uh, for free to the community to offer them the ab- ability to come somewhere and get help for their bodies. Uh, but the goal also also is to uh, meet their spiritual needs, their emotional needs as well. And there was an uh, an elderly saint, saintly woman in our church who wasn't real comfortable with the transition that community had gone through uh, racially and, and uh, economically and had been holding on to a lot of things of not not happy with what's going on in her community and how it's changing. And we hosted this event at the church and she wasn't real thrilled about it. Uh, but what was interesting is uh, through that day, um, watching her end up having to hold a baby of another ethnicity. Um, and she had struggled, I think, with, with that at first. And uh, But as the day went on, um, she ended up traveling with that mom and holding that baby all the way through each 
each uh, pit stop that the mom had to go through mm-hmm. and the baby had to go through. And by the end of it, she almost didn't want to let the baby go. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as if uh, the God did and the Holy Spirit did a major work in her heart uh, to show her that we're all made in God's image and uh, that we're mm-hmm. all beggars. We're all needy. We're all in need of something and someone to invest in our lives in, in, in a, a deep, heartfelt way. And it, after that day forward, her whole outlook on what the ministry of that church was changed and uh, she kind of became a banner, a beacon of what it looked like to reach the community. And as you're reading that, I'm a little emotional even thinking about her. I'm sure she's passed on since then, uh, but just watching the change that occurred within her heart uh, as she engaged in kingdom work in a way that mm. that God forced her. <laughs> he made her do it almost <laughs> like you're going to come face to face with brokenness. And in your mind, this may be even your enemy, the one that's kind of taking over your community and changing things and made her hold this baby and through that child uh, transformed her heart, which is ironic even with Jesus is, is what he's done with us by entering our world mm-hmm. uh, when we despised God, you know. And so we were enemies of the, of the cross. We're the enemies of God, and yet God saw fit um, to come and rescue us, obviously, which is a large theme within uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Any other thoughts that, that you have? That was just a narrative that, as you're reading, that just hit me between the eyes and in the mm-hmm. heart of just reminding me of, of God's favor uh, upon us mm-hmm. in, in that moment. But. What I love about that narrative is, I mean, obviously God's work in this woman's heart, uh, but <laughs> that work in her heart began when she took that step uh, to do something uncomfortable, uh, to even if she was maybe forced into loving someone she didn't want to, that like that step of obedience was when God started softening her heart. And I think that's often true of the work God needs to do in our lives um, is he wants us to take a step. He wants us to walk in obedience and then he will continue that work. Um, and also what you pointed out about loving your enemies and or loving those we least expect need our love or deserve our love that's exactly the gospel and that is exactly what Jesus has done for all of us and giving us his love when we least deserved it when we were his enemies when we were the ones that he you know in our minds like the least deserving least expected Jesus gave us that love and continues to give us that love and it's the love he calls us to go and show to the world and to our neighbor, and, and our neighbor is everyone, everyone we encounter. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's encouraging to think about the fact that that God did rescue us from ourselves. Mm-hmm. As you know, we were the beggars, uh, we are the beggars, uh, we were were the criminals uh, and and the rejected, um, and yet God God called out to us, and uh, yeah, really encouraging. I want to read one last. Uh, you probably have more, but. Um, Matthew 5, we would have covered this in the sermon previous to you hearing this podcast, but um, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount saying, you've heard that it was said you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. And what's kind of, I guess, jumping out at me right now, um, that opening part of love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's mm-hmm. what Jesus says. Mm-hmm. So that you may be sons of your Father. <laughs> 
like in order to um, reflect the Father, uh, is to engage in this way of loving your enemy, uh, which, as you mentioned and we've talked about, is exactly what he did for us as well. So any other closing thoughts that you have going through your mind right now? Yeah, I think this uh, conversation, these narratives, uh, actually make me think of a guy by the name of Desmond Doss, who was a a combat medic in World War II, who was also a conscientious objector. And uh, because of being a comp- conscientious objector, uh, he was mocked. Uh, he was beaten up uh, during basic training and uh, prepping to go to war. And he was just very looked down upon uh, by those he was serving with. And they actually made a movie about this. It's called Hacksaw Ridge. Um, and unfortunately has a bit of language in it, but, um, and a little bit of gore. Um, it is a war movie. So that happens. It exists. It exists. And, um, and man, the story of this man who saves a bunch of people, I mean, I can't remember the number, uh, but he's, and they're kind of on the side of a cliff and he, he keeps lowering, um, all of these soldiers who have been wounded. And some of them are the very ones that maybe beat him up, uh, during basic training. Some of them are the very ones that mocked him. And some of them played a role in him being put in jail for a little while. And at the same time, he 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 binds up their wounds. He, he lowers them down so they can go get more help. And he actually lowers a few of the enemies, a few of the Japanese enemies in the movie. And actually, it's, again, it's based on a true story. And that story... I mean, we talk about Christ figures in stories and novels and movies and truth stories that happen. I mean, that is, he binds up the wounds of his enemies. He, he brings them healing. Uh, he saves them from dying. And he actually literally saves his enemies. I just think that that is the type of selfless, sacrificial, impartial love that we are called to show to the world. Yeah. Did you have anything else before we close out? That's spot on. I love that illustration. Uh, it's very helpful. So I wanted to close with John 3.16. I know that many of you that have are listening to this um, have memorized this scripture back when you were in kindergarten or first grade. Um, but I think that it's really applicable to what we've been talking about here as well. And especially with uh, Jordan's last illustration of uh, saving people that frankly, spit on you and mistreated you. And uh, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And I think um, we've memorized that scripture to the point of not really letting it hit our gut sometimes Mm. and just being reminded of the fact that we were the beggars, uh, we're the criminals, we're we're just sinners at at our core, Um, and yet God chose to save us. Um, to meet us where we were at and um, to rescue us, even though we were spitting on him and mocking him. Um, the crucifixion, which uh, is, the, of course, where we're headed in our current series, 40 Days of Preparation, just reminding ourselves that uh, Jesus uh, continued on that path to the cross nonstop, uh, didn't deflect from it. He remained on course, knowing full well uh, who we were and what the cost was going to be. Uh, to have a relationship with the Father again. And Mm -hmm. so uh, just keeping that in mind, God so loved us. 
uh, in our state that he gave his only son uh, to die for us and uh, that we have hope even though we were enemies of God, uh, for salvation through Jesus. And we pray that this word uh, today has been an encouragement to you, to remind you to go out and serve the Lord in such a way, uh, to remind yourself of where you've been brought from, but also to remind yourself of what you've been bought for. And God's desire is to use you uh, for His glory and others' good, uh, to rescue others uh, that are begging for answers and hope. So we pray that this week you'll be blessed, and we'll talk with you next week. Thanks for listening to the Seek First podcast with Steve and Jordan. We hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us as well as any topics you would like us to consider in the weeks to come. We encourage you to continue to seek first the kingdom of God where you work, live, and play. Blessings. Blessings.